If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we are based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 2nd to the 8th of January. I'm Ezzie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Money. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ezzie, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, because yes, this podcast is going out on the 1st of January, so the first day of 2023, and we're going to be taking a look ahead at uh, the next week in terms of stargazing, but also giving a little glimpse about what's coming up over the rest of the year. So, Paul, what are your recommendations for this week? Well, let's kick off. We're dealing with a few events for this week and then we can take a look ahead, shall we? So we're talking about the 2nd and the 3rd of January. And basically, we're back to our usual friend, the moon sort of thing. But the thing about the moon is it lies to the lower right of the Pleiades, the Messier 45 on the 2nd. It is heading towards full. So, you know, it's quite a gibbous phase in actual fact. But uh, the 3rd, it'll be quite close to Mars. Now, I have to say, there will be no occultation. You know, we've had that in December. And uh, yeah, Ezzy, amazingly through cloud, I actually saw it. And you, we've always said about getting up, haven't we? We've always said about early morning things. This was a silly o'clock time. I stayed up all night. Mad. I was downstairs all the time. I, I did settle down on the settee sort of thing for, for about an hour, but I didn't sleep sort of thing in the end. So I stayed up and then looked out and it was clear when I went indoors sort of thing. When I went outside, it clouded. But I managed to see it through cloud, but I didn't see the egress. 
You did better than a lot of uh, um, us uh, here in Bristol. Um, we, unfortunately, I got clouded out. Um, I did get up, but I took one look out the window and then went back to bed. <laughs> you know what? I reckon if I'd have gone to bed and looked out the window when I woke up at the when the clock went, I think I'd have gone back to bed myself as up as I was already up. I thought I may as well try, and I I could see Mars in binoculars through the thin clouds. So I thought I have a chance here, and I think that's the key. I mean, if it was thicker cloud, I probably would have given up completely. And in fact, not long after, I had two things happen. It set behind the house. So that wouldn't have helped. <laughs> but but also it, the cloud thickened up, so I, I completely lost the moon. So if you can't see the moon, there's the <laughs> that's a bad job, isn't it? You know, if you can't see the moon, you really are in trouble, aren't you? So, uh, yeah. So, so as I say, on the 3rd of January, we have got the moon, not occulting Mars this time, but it is quite close. I mean, we are talking probably about a degree and a half. So it is a quite close call as such. Now, on the 3rd as well, we usually have the Quadrantids meteor shower, and we, we, we still will have, but the problem is that moon is going to interfere. Now, the good thing with the Quadrantids is they are circumpolar, so you can pretty much see them all through the night. Um, so if you're prepared to wait until about sort of five or six o'clock in the morning when the moon's finally set, <laughs> so, or out of the way, then fair enough sort of thing, but as a rule, I probably won't stay up for that one. You know, I'd rather wait until there's no moon. So that's the third is the quadrantage meteor shower. But it does give us a thing, a chance to, to look ahead to the, there are some really good meteor showers this year. Absolutely. So let's have a little kick off with the meteor showers because as it happens, the April Lyrids peak on the 23rd of April, Perseids on the 12th and 13th of August, the Orionids on the 21st, 22nd, of October and the Leonids on the 17th, the 18th of uh, November and finally the Geminids on the 13th and 14th of December and creeping into the 14th, 15th. And what's more, they're all favourable. I mean, wow. I, I reckon this is the year for meteor showers personally sort of thing. So uh, this is probably going to be the year where we have total cloud cover. I know I've just jinxed it, <laughs> but, but you know, this is going to be a good year. Yeah, there's there's at least three pretty major meteor showers there, which um, I think will be worth looking out for. So hopefully not all of them will be clouded out. So we'll get, get at least one nice one. I know. That's always the hope, isn't it? That you have at least, even if you just get one, you know, you, you'll be excited sort of thing. So, uh, yeah. And of course, we all tend to prefer the warmer one, which is the Perseids. <laughs> being in August sort of thing. But the Geminids are the other major shower sort of thing. And of course, you know, we have to look forward to clear skies for that because it's the same old story, you know, thin cloud will completely wreck them. So you do need a clear sky uh, for the meteor watching. But yeah, it's it's looking like a really good year. So let's just hope we have some really good clear skies for coinciding for all these meteor showers as well. Uh, so it's nice to have a, a nice run of them instead of Thinking bad, 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 bad. <laughs> yeah, bad enough worrying about cloud, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 2022 was not a great year for meteor showers. Most of the, the big ones had uh, a bright moon on them. So it's really great to be able to see that they will be favourable, the moon will be set. Because um, meteor showers, I always like a good meteor shower. You know, it's something that it's very accessible. It's very, you don't need, in fact, it's better to watch a meteor shower without expensive equipment just go out there and look at it with your eyes um so even if the quadrantids maybe aren't too great this year we've got some other great ones coming um, so that'll be good to look forward to and they make great family events don't they i mean you know you you, you grab them you know the, the family out go outside get them to wrap up if it's the colder months 
<laughs> but, but you know, at the excitement when you do see it, and if you get a bright one, the oohs and ahs are brilliant sort of thing. And sometimes it's enough to actually convince others to actually think, oh, I'll take this up as well. <laughs> that is, I think, one of the good things about meteor showers as well is because astronomy can be quite a solitary hobby. You know, it's, it's you know, one person and they're looking through the telescope at what they can see. And maybe if you're at something like a star party, you, you might be able to all look together at the same thing or, or share something like that. But most of the time, it's, it's by yourself in your back garden. Whereas with a meteor shower, you can get people together. You can all look up at the sky and, and you know, race to see who can spot the most meteors or track, see if you can track where you think a meteor came from and things like that. So I think it's, if people at home are, are interested in getting to watch Meteor Showers a bit more, we have a guide on how to do that over on our website, www.skynightmagazine.com. And I will put a link to that in the show notes so you can have a look and make sure that you're making the most of the Meteor Showers throughout the year. Exactly. OK, so let's have a look at the sky at the moment then still. So on the 4th, and you could say onwards, we still have quite a parade of planets. We, 2022 was a pretty good year for a parade of planets. And it actually continues into 2023 because we've got Venus deep in the evening twilight. Now, at the end of December, there was Mercury, but Mercury's dropped back now, unfortunately, and will move into the morning sky during January. It won't be very well placed, I have to say. But we've got Venus in the evening twilight and then there's Saturn. Then as you move up the ecliptic, you have Neptune, Jupiter, Uranus, and Mars as well. So all of them are now visible in the evening sky. So you don't have to stay up late to observe all these. You can actually watch all of them in the evening sort of thing before you go to bed. So you've got quite a parade there. So I think it's worth having a look at that. And we mentioned Venus. Well, Venus has a really great 2023. It's in the evening sky and actually stays there until right through to about mid-July when it'll start to drop down into the evening twilight sort of thing. And of course, July, we're talking about light summer skies, aren't we, sort of thing. So, you know, but Venus is a bright planet. That's the real advantage, isn't it? You know, it's the brightest of the planets, only surpassed really by Jupiter normally. And then, of course, Mars when it's at opposition. So this is a good year for Venus. Now, it does pass through inferior conjunction on August the 13th, but it then quickly moves into the morning sky for the rest of the year. So if you like getting up early, you have to walk the dog, then that's well worth doing it. Now, it, Venus does have some good close encounters as he as well. Um, it encounters Saturn later this month, so we'll deal with that in uh, a couple of weeks' time, but January the 21st, 22nd. Neptune in February, February the 15th. Jupiter the end of February into early March. That'll be a good one. That'll be a really good one to look forward to. The Pleiades, the star cluster on April the 10th uh, into the 11th. And we have a daylight occultation of Venus by the moon, on November the 9th. So Venus, uh, this is a really good year. I mean, we've just had the year of Mars, really, haven't we, with 2022 and the opposition of Mars. I think 2023 is the year of Venus, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm really looking forward to that because there's some great events. As long as we get a clear skies for a few of them, I'd love the daylight occultation with the moon. I know it's November time, but wow, I've seen a daylight occultation. It was quite something because Venus is bright enough to be seen in daylight. I've seen it in daylight. You have to do it around about, well, a few hours before midday when Venus is at its highest. But I've actually seen it in daylight sort of thing. And that's quite something. To see a little dot in the blue sky. 
I, I, he sort of sends a, a t- sounds silly, but he sends a tingle down my spine. Because <laughs> it is one of those things that the, some people do forget that uh, there are actually a couple of planets in the moon you can see during the day. So Venus and Jupiter, you can see both of those during the day and you can see the moon during the day. Well, you know, if they're up in the sky and yeah. everything's in the right place, you can. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, there's actually quite a couple of uh, daylight occultations happening this year, I think, aren't there? Yeah, we've got Jupiter. I'm going to mention them next week, sort of thing, but we've got Jupiter as well to look forward to. So we've actually got two daylight occultations to look forward to. So uh, the Venus one, I must admit, I'm excited by that because Venus is pretty bright. Now, there's another thing to look out for, and it, these are one of these ephemeral objects that we 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 never know exactly how bright they're going to get. And that's this comet C2022E3. ZTF, that's the Zenith Transit Facility. Um, so this could become a naked eye object towards the end of January into early February. It is circumpolar, so it's also one to look out for. So we'll deal with that in a couple of weeks as we get closer, because it could potentially... I mean, naked eyes are odd things. If Even if it just becomes technically naked eye, the vast majority of us will probably still need binoculars. But even so, it would be nice to have a decent comet and photographers will be able to get some, hopefully, some great pictures of that. I've mentioned that Mercury has a poor morning showing this uh, month. But in actual fact, it will be really good. It has a good evening elongation, I should say, in early to late April. So that's a good time to get Mercury. And then we've got a day of occultation of Jupiter. Yes, yes, May 7th. It's all right. So that's May 17th. So we've got that. You could use that as a dry run, you know, for Venus, because Jupiter is harder because it's a bigger disk. And of course, it is because it's, it's a disk and not as bright as Venus sort of thing. You know, it is a bit harder to see it, but you can see the belts. I've seen the belts sort of thing in daylight uh, and a magnified view. So they are May 17th. Look for that. However, there is a there's a caveat. Whereas Venus, we, we should all see it from any part of the UK. Um, when it comes to Jupiter, it'll be mainly for Scotland. However, hey, how about a great time for a holiday? Sort of thing. I love the Scottish Highlands sort of thing. So there you are. There's plenty to look forward to. We've got lots more. So next week, we'll have a look at a few events and we'll have a look at some more special events coming up in 2023, if that's all right with you. It does sound like we've got a lot of really exciting things to look forward to throughout the year uh, in terms of astronomy. Uh, but for this week specifically, um, we've got the Quadrantids Meteor Shower. That's on the 3rd of January. Probably going to want to stay up uh Stay up late, get up early around about 5 or 6 a.m. after the moon is set to, to make the most of those. Um, and then on the 4th of January, we have Venus is going to be visible in the evening twilight, along with all of the outer major planets. So that's also another one to watch out for. Um, and also there will be the comet C2022E3ZTF. Very catchy name there. Um, that will be visible throughout, uh, not just this week, but going into next week as well. So keep an eye out for that one and see how that's getting on. Um, to find out more details about that comet as well, we'll be keeping uh, tabs on it over on our website, www.skynightmagazine.com. Again, we'll have a link to those in the show notes. So that's it from us this week. And thank you very much, Paul, for telling us all about what we can hope to see. A pleasure. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or need
either. Our Sky Guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify. 